Nothing discussed with Dr. Coles in this conversation is meant to diagnose or treat any condition or takes the place of talking with your own healthcare professionals. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another conversation taking us from anxiety to clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich from Kahimohala. This limited series is a project brought to you by Trisha Kajimura, also of Kahimohala, and Evan Leong of Brain Gain Hawaii, and me. And we hope that these will be helpful, informal conversations that will take us through the era of COVID-19 to whatever comes next. Now, anxiety is etched on so many faces these days. I mean, for weeks, we've been sequestered in our homes. And if we have jobs, well, we're working from home. But for the 37% of us or so who are now unemployed, and for people who are losing their businesses, uh, you know, anxiety is just the tip of the emotional litany that, that a lot of people are feeling. And meanwhile, we're watching our state grappling with its own huge financial shortfall and trying to figure out how to balance public health with economic recovery. And it's really tough. And kids and teens are, are no less immune from the effects of all of this. Um, in this deeply charged environment, old routines have been upended and they've been supplanted by ones which are far more constrained. And so the question really is, how can parents and guardians of kids really help them through this period of COVID-19 and beyond. So today we're gonna to talk with Dr. Adam Coles. He is a psychiatrist with the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Division from the state of Hawaii. And he's also the clinical director at the Family Guidance Center on Maui. And he has some thoughts about how we support the needs of children and teens through COVID and with whatever may go beyond that time and into a very new world. So Adam, I wanna thank you very much for taking the time to walk us on your own path from anxiety to clarity. And I just wanna check in with you and see how you and your family are doing these days, now that all of you are under one roof for such a long time. <laughs> Thanks, Beth Ann, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I think you kind of encapsulated uh, things very nicely uh, in the beginning. You know, as as um, we chatted briefly earlier in the week, um, th this Im has impacted all of us. It's been, you know, top to bottom, side to side, Malkuta Makai, you know, as we say. And and um, I had, I got a little lucky. My daughter was um, FaceTiming a friend last night. And I was able to kind of pull them, invade their little conversation, um, sneak in on the couch and 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 ask a couple of questions about some of their thoughts. And I thought they had really um, potent observations. So I, uh, I'd love to share a couple of those. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to hear them, but I mean, you, but you all are doing okay, the three of you together and, and your yeah. dynamic yeah. is, is working well with all of this? It's okay. I think, you know, um, my wife and I are, are sort of nerdy and sci-fi geeks and stuff. So we're, we're, kind of okay being at home and, and binge watching television and new sci-fi and old sci-fi shows. And we're doing, a, you know, we're, I'm fixing things around the house that have gone unfixed uh, for some time. Um, that list seems to have grown rather than shrunk. <laughs> um, and, uh, there's two neighbors who are, you know, having significant work done on their homes. Um, 
one one couple who we're pretty friendly with you know are they live there and these guys are ripping out their porch and and enclosing it you know and our other neighbor went to stay with family during the covid crisis mm. and his home is just being worked on you know while it's kind of empty and so he had that advantage we don't have um family here um you know my family and my wife's family are all on the mainland and they're all okay which is great um so we're here and we're just trying to stay in touch with friends you know virtually or by telephone um my daughter i think is the most impacted because she's very sporty um mm. She's kind of be tough. Yeah, she's kind of a smart jock and loves her team sports, you know. And she goes to King K, uh, our local public school here up country on Maui, and uh, they have a great sports program. They had a great water polo program with mm -hmm. with a very enthusiastic team, and she was welcomed as a freshman, um, and made the varsity swim team, you know. So we were very proud of her for that. But they lost that whole spring, you know, water polo team sports schedule and and particularly for the seniors I think it's been tough you know because they lost their senior season in that um, but but for those folks who really love that it's it's a way to 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 ward off depression to ward off anxiety um, so I think for my daughter it's been most impactful and we've had to really exercise every day we've had to do something every day whether it's hit the volleyball around in the yard go running around the neighborhood um very regularly to to keep that mood you know on a positive side and it's been good for us you know because we could sit around and snack all day and watch more sci-fi well that that's good i like yeah, that part but still you can't do that all the time yeah um you know and even you know we are fortunate enough to have gone to costco before this all happened and they had dumbbells on sale and so i got some you know, we have some stuff at home to try and keep ourselves from expanding our borders uh, too much. Um, and it's been a time for, for getting into creative things a little bit more, um, you know, in, along, line, along with repairing, you know, trying to beautify our space a little. And I think I want to really encourage people to do that because it's been positive for us to, you know, with organize, put a new coat of paint in a room, um, plant something, plant a garden, um, you know, get some herbs going in your kitchen, something to sort of bring something nice to your space around you. Because everything we've done has really contributed to feeling like, oh, this is a nicer place to be since we have to be here all the time, you know. Always good to be in beautiful surroundings. My grandmother would always say to me when I was little, Make sure you see something beautiful every day. And True. I remember that a lot now, especially when I'm not feeling very you know, enthusiastic about being at home and doing the same thing over and over in the same four walls, but really making sure that I rest my eyes on something beautiful and read something beautiful or just stop for a moment and think about where I am in the world. Mm -hmm. and the fact that we we have beauty right outside our doors for many of us so it sounds like you and your family are doing really well and that you're getting a lot of family bonding time in there too and especially with a teenage daughter i think a lot of parents might be envious of that that you have such a, a wonderful relationship that you can yeah. do this but yeah, i'm lucky. also curious 
what you heard when you know you were sort of perched on the sofa listening to the FaceTime that your daughter was having with some of her friends and how they were exchanging thoughts and and then some of the conversation that uh, you might have had with her afterward. Yeah, um, you know the, their first observation, uh, both of them, and wasn't surprised but really um, gratified to hear how articulate they they were about it is the loss of that that kind of social circle and not not just because they love hanging with their friends but they were both able to talk about how important those friends circles are at this age uh, and that's true the developmental axis of adolescence at this time you know freshmen through senior year is you're building these relationships kind of finding your tribe that you end up walking into your 20s with, you know, and some of these people will stick with you and your long-term friends for the rest of your life. Um, and it's been much more difficult to maintain some of those, um, the growth of those relationships. They're trying really hard and social media makes it a little bit easier. Um, to editorialize for a second, I don't. I think social media makes it a little more difficult to develop the rich kind of relationships that I would. I'd agree with you because yeah. it's a little more kind of surfacey. Um, but folks, I've noticed that that my daughter and her friends they they're very multimodal, very multitasky folks. So they'll watch a movie whether virtual, they, they do virtual movie watching parties and they comment on the movie, but they're also texting each other um, and posting things in real time on their own devices while the movie's playing. And, and they do that when they're in person too. They'll like watch a movie, but they're on their phones and they're texting other friends while they're watching the movie and like telling each other things. So the, they're sampling and they're, they're posting in multiple data streams that that I, I'm not really familiar with. You know, at the most I used to maybe watch a movie and be on the phone with a friend, you know, with the, the spiral cord, you know, hang, stretching off to the wall. Um, and there was, a, I remember a friend had a conference call function on, on his phone and he was able to host, you know, like four or five of us into a phone call at his house. Um, this is back in the eighties. And that was amazing. I mean, it was just, it was this cool way to talk with a bunch of your friends in the middle of the night without having to sneak out. Not that I ever snuck out of the house. Totally oh, never. Oh, no, not you. Not you. Uh, no, I can't imagine. You know, but it's interesting. They, they really are sharing all this information at multiple different levels and at a very high rate of speed. You know, they're texting fast. They're talking fast. So, so. there's definitely information exchange happening. So as all that is going on though, what does that mean for parents and guardians who might very well be out of that loop, particularly with the rate of speed that you're talking about and the different modalities happening simultaneously? Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how you are advising parents and guardians uh, of so many different types of families because there's no one size fits all. I and mean, we talked a lot about your family, but yeah. a lot of families don't look like your families as you well know as a doc, and how then do we start to take some of this information and help some of the people who are really dealing with trying to approach their kids and, and trying to be able to help them through this and maybe are, are just coming across a great deal of, of barriers to do that. I agree, and um, I, I think 
the greatest challenges come for those families who have younger children who need a lot more one-to-one, -one, you know, care, uh, you know, cannot cook for themselves, you know, or even dress themselves if they're very young children. And now there's no daycare, there's no preschool. There's uh, no relief for some parents who just no looked at that time as, as a little alone time. Yeah. Suddenly it went to 24 yeah. seven parenting. And, um, I think these families are just stressful. We have colleagues at work who have young children and we're working from home. So we're in zoom meetings a lot and, and we're all, you know, just totally fine with, and, you know, tolerating when one of our colleagues has a young child come into screen and has to show his mom, you know, his booger on his finger, you know, and just like, look, and she's like, that's great. Okay. Mommy's, <laughs> you know, and, um, it, we just, you got to be okay with it. And th th I think that's the first thing is to, to just take a deep breath and be okay with things not being exactly perfect, you know, and don't not letting perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, and I've challenged a lot of, not challenged, that's the wrong word. I've suggested to a lot of families to, to think about letting their older children take a step up and really begin to teach and, and, you know, take care of younger children, which a lot of families do already. Um, but maybe it's like, okay, well, maybe you were about to in a few months or, you know, next year, you know, let older sister start doing this for younger brother or whatever. Maybe let them do that now. Um, my mom is the oldest of 10. And she basically raised the, the youngest three children in her family because I think her mom was just done by that point. Just, you know. Um, and we can well understand why. <laughs> and uh, I've talked with her a lot about this. You know, I'm like, you know, what were you fine with that? She's like, yeah, I mean, I missed out on some childhood things, but I took time for myself. And but our relationship, the relationship, you know, and I'm speaking as her that I had with my young siblings, my youngest that I really took a lot of care of is so close you know, and they look at me like an auntie or second mom rather than an older sister. I wouldn't trade that for anything, you know, so it really builds a different kind of relationship. Um, so I think those families with multiple children can engage the children in helping each other, you know, older kids reading to younger kids. Um, but, I really Adam, want why would... <laughs> Sorry, what? I really want reading to be happening as much as Yeah, possible. I think a lot of us would like reading to be happening too and things that, that really build a lot of you know tactile experiences and not just holding a phone or an iPad or looking at a screen, but as you say, a lot of the other creative things that we talked about a little earlier. But for you know families who are really challenged by having relationships with their kids, which are difficult. And, and how then do you layer on all of this with COVID-19 and being stuck at home with people that you're maybe at odds with and are having, you love dearly perhaps, but are really having trouble approaching? Um, that's got to be difficult for a, a lot of parents, particularly if we're talking about teens. I, I agree. I, well, I anticipated that we would run into, you know, some problems. One of the... Um, I won't call it a surprise because we anticipated some improvement, interestingly, in some areas, because a lot of, a lot of the kids who struggle, not, not everyone, but a lot, um, struggle because of the stress of school. 
And it's not necessarily that they have behavior problems at school, maybe they do, um, but that they do fine in school, but it, it sort of drains that battery of what we call executive function, where you kind of, you hold yourself together, you follow the rules, you clean up your space, you know, you put your stuff away, get your work Until done. Until you come home. And then you come home, <laughs> you, then you can pop off and, you know, and you let loose a little bit. And without the stress of having to like hold that social contract together at school, kids aren't running out of their batteries, they're sleeping in a little bit, maybe a lot, a bit. Um, and so some are actually experiencing a kind of improvement in behavior and emotional regulation when, because they're only doing online kind of coursework and some do much better in, educationally in some ways with that. And I can um, imagine with the sleep cycle too, because we know that with adolescents, they need more sleep, not less, and they're getting less and not more. It's true. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about this both in my current job and in my previous job back in Colorado, how the school you know, schedule for years has really woken teens up before kind of they're cognitively ready. I used to complain about it when I was you know, a teenager myself. We all um, complained about it. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, they need, they need about nine hours of sleep and up to 12, they're fine with, you know. Um, and so I get it, right? I, I, I totally get expanding the social media access. We did, we've done that, you know. Um, our daughter can spend more time on social media. Um, we've expanded the sleep hours. But I think what we began to do after about the second week, um, because we still wanted a spring break to sort of happen, even though it was really limited. Um, I started booking in, you know, two to three hours of schoolwork a day, and that happens before, it's kind of when then, it happens before social media, it happens before getting on the phone, mm -hmm. you know, watching a bunch of TV, like when when the schoolwork is done and she has a, an instrument that she's supposed to practice, um, then the other things can happen. And and is this what you're telling other, other parents too when, when they're dealing with kids and especially, you know, going back to the issue of, of having kids that may have had difficulties with their parents or parents with their children uh, before all of this, now that these kids are getting more sleep and having a, a more regulated schedule if they're doing online classes, that by its very nature puts another schedule into their lives. Yep, and exactly. then you say that some of these families are actually doing better now. Um, what else are, are you seeing that, because that sounds wonderful. I mean, we, we hear so much about how kids are, are dealing with this and how this has put more stress on an altogether stressful life of a child with so much that you know kids and teens are expected to do and extended schedules and so many overscheduled events. But this seems to have slowed down life a little bit, which might mm -hmm. be one of the, the blessings in disguise of a terrible, terrible situation. And I don't mean to make light of any of this because seeing people die and being left out of work and losing businesses is, is anything but, but a silver lining. But for families who have to be with each other and are maybe learning how to do that in a very different way, this is contextualized it. In, in ways that none of us have ever thought would be possible, certainly Absolutely. not in our lifetimes. I think that we've, everyone has been forced to take a different perspective. Um, 
you know, we've watched a steady rise in, in our neighborhood of folks out walking in the late afternoon and evening and in the morning. Mm, nice. Uh, we, we have to be at work, you know, on the computer around 7.45, um, which I have to say rolling out of bed at 7.30 is pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> Take the but, stairs you know, home. <laughs> exactly. Or to your office. <laughs> Roll over to the office. Um, but it's nice to see folks out, you know, at that hour walking up and down the street with their dogs, with their family, you know, the whole family will go out. The first couple of weeks, it was about the same as we've seen, you know, since we moved here. Uh, you know, a couple of folks, and we've just watched people just the numbers go up and up and up every week, you know. So now it's actually you sort of have to pay attention to when you go. Uh, there are that many folks. We we live in uh, Pukalani uh, on the side of Haleakala Volcano, and it's it's a very kind of local neighborhood. It's a real residential neighborhood. It's not very touristy. There aren't any real tourist attractions here. Um, so it's an it's for the working families, you know, of Maui. Um, and so we don't have the stress of a bunch of visitors kind of showing up, you know, in a rental car and trying to access the beach or, you know, hotel guests coming and going and things like that. So it's kind of a steady pace of life. Our local grocery has really set things up for social distancing. They, they limit the customers who are going in and out, you know, to to where you have enough space to be inside. And I think those those community kind of aspects have also made it better. Um, you know, I I feel for the folks who live in a more kind of resorty type island who have that mess of people showing up still, you know, to vacation and and don't really know the rules or don't care or whatever. And then there are the local communities who don't have the local services like a grocery store that's safe, you know, or, or limited in terms of you know money and patient. Gotta do what you gotta do, you know. Um, the the girls that I was talking to last night and my daughter did mention that at the loss of athletics was a huge blow, um, and not just to the sporty folks. I think that's so important that physical activity. So I hope people are getting out and doing something, you know. Even to get a little bit of sunlight for 15, 20 minutes is so critical for, for mood, you know. I, yeah, I, what I'm hearing you say is that there are a lot of simple things that now, you know, we have time for. And, and we've heard this from lots of people about how they're integrating very simple pleasures into life or being more aware of those simple pleasures in life. And the need that we have for each other, you know, technology is great and, you know, we love our toys and it's a lot of fun and it allows us to do this right now. Mm -hmm. But the need that we have for each other is being especially highlighted, I think, by the fact that we are being locked down at home. We can't be with family. I went to bring groceries to my mother the other day mm. and, and she just said to me, I can't believe I can't hug you. And it's like, this is what she says to me every week. I come over because yeah. yeah. you're in Kailua and in a little bit of a hot spot over there. And I said, no, please don't get in your car and drive. I'll just bring it to you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And she found that very difficult because she's so active and obviously not a child, but just that sense that I, as her child, you know, couldn't receive a hug from my mother or that she couldn't come near me. 
felt pretty yeah, terrible. Human contact, you know, that physical, that physical touch, you know, um, is so important and it, it, it is sort of mind blowing in a way. Uh, we, we had a, a bread exchange the other day with two good friends of ours. So, um, our friend started baking some months ago and he's kind of a sourdough expert. And my wife makes traditional bagels now. She learned how to make New York style bagels, boiling them, baking them the whole nine yards. And they're nice. really excellent, you know. Um, so we, we traded these things, you know, and sort of we had this, this hilarious kind of bag exchange, you know. Um, but not to be able to just hug them, you know, and shake hands, you know, and and exchange that. It, it, it's just so weird. Um, and but it was really great to see them, even six feet away, and chat for a few minutes. Or just say, "Here, catch this bag of bagels. Yeah. <laughs> Go long." And uh, and the bread's amazing, you know. So the, we're sharing love in different ways, but I think, yeah. you know, hug your family. That's what we're doing. It's just, you know. My daughter has to put up with maybe an extra hug or two a day. Um, but, you know, she, she can't do that with her friends uh, right now. And um, even the first couple of weeks of this thing, you can still see people here on Maui. Just They take that one or two step toward each other. And, yeah. and they, you know, you can tell they're going in for the hug. And then, and then they, they realize, and, yeah. you know, God, I can't do that, you know. But it's, an, it's our natural state. Um, and that even in the store, you stop and say hi to someone, you know, and give them a hug or whatever. Um, all of that's much more kind of distance. There's this artificial, like it's not really reality, you know. But it's going to be our reality for a while, along with masking and social distancing in various places, including schools, including when people come in for group therapy, all of that. And, and I'm wondering, as you're doing a lot of work, obviously, through, through telehealth, um, and I apologize if you're hearing, my cat is trying to get into a closet and clawing at something. Can you hear that? <laughs> Speaking of little kids walking by, I have a cat who's very unhappy and trying to get my attention by yeah, getting into a closet. I think all the cats in the world who are house cats are really annoyed right now, wondering why all their servants are staying at home all the time instead of Leading. They have no privacy, but I, I am really concerned though about other families for whom mm -hmm. these kinds of normal activities are not part of their normal interaction, and especially with the kids that you counsel, the families that you work with and, and mm -hmm. still are working with through through telehealth and telepsychiatry. What is it that that you're seeing that maybe the rest of us aren't or that we should know aside from that that tidbit earlier that that for some kids this has actually gotten better because they're having more sleep and they're having a different kind of routine that may be more in sync with their bodies yeah you know for the for the the kids who who struggle with with the the actual stress of being in a school environment and it's not a good fit for them i think you know that they're experiencing some relief in that way and so we anticipate um with those kids that we work with that when when they're when they're getting ready to return to school that that anxiety is going to spike and things like that um we have seen a couple of of our families um surprisingly kind of improve their communications really because they had to 
you know, people are realizing there's there's no one coming to to save us. There's no one coming to take a person away. Um, can't go off to aunties, you know. Um, it, 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 the dispassionate reality of COVID-19, it doesn't care what we think, it doesn't care about our opinions, it doesn't care what we believe, um, has forced some families to kind of reckon with the reality. And there are other realities, right? So a lot of folks have lost their jobs, whether temporarily or permanently. Um, housing um, is either at risk or they're going to lose housing or have very soon. These things kind of keep me up at night. Um, so far in our in our um, census, we haven't had any families, you know, call us or email and say, you know, we are now officially homeless. Um, my understanding is that evictions are on hold and things like that. Um, there were a couple of families in shelters uh, and so far okay. Um, but I think we're going to be looking at a surge of a lot of these stressors after the immediate crisis is over with. Um, landlords are going to charge greater rents. They're going to want to sell their homes because their own finances have been impacted. I think we're going to have a surge of all these other things when, you know, all the laces get loosened on the, the lockdown um, and people start to try and put their finances back in shape. I think we're going to see some folks selling off properties, increasing their rents um, on folks who maybe don't get their job back. And we're going to have a real problem. I don't want to be a downer, but I think that's what we're going to be looking at. And I think what bothers me more is what we're not seeing, but what I think is could be happening. Um, you know, without without child welfare services being out in the community as much, um, with the crisis mobile outreach program, you know, being as limited as they are with the lockdown, you know, and police being on basically crisis mode the whole time. Um, we aren't getting the reports and we're not seeing the investigation side of things like child welfare, child abuse, domestic violence and domestic abuse. Um, but all the data says that in in situations like this with natural disasters, with big things like fires and earthquakes in cities, you know, all of these things go up um, with a drastic rise in unemployment, domestic violence and child abuse all go up. But we, it's invisible right now. Because of the lockdown, we can't see it. And those kids are not being referred for services. Uh, so that also makes my hand shake uh, a bit when I think about it. Um, are there any conversations around that happening that you are participating in now? I know that this is very much your, your own thoughts and concerns and worries about all of this, but how plugged in do you think the system is to that fact and or what you see is, as potential facts coming down the line? And what does that mean for the rest of us uh, who would in some way maybe you know, like to help or just to be aware that this is not going to be a, a return to any sort of normal that we knew. I and mean, we were kind of warming up to that idea in, in other ways, including masking and physical distancing and all mm -hmm. the things that we keep hearing we're, we're going to do. But the social outgrowths of so much of this that maybe people are not stopping to consider 
in the aggregate, you know, maybe one family here or two family here, but are, are these families that, you know, you are seeing and the way that you are plugged into the state and the system, are those conversations really happening to have any sort of preparation for when that kind of surge happens, if it happens? Um, I think among professionals, uh, the professionals I know and work with, we're all painfully aware of that. I'll call it a fact. It's true. It, 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 there's no way it's not happening. And there's no way that these consequences won't, won't continue on long past when this COVID you know, peak or the second peak or whatever are done. These psychosocial consequences are going to continue for years. Um, so I think everyone is really aware. The problem is the resources that, that we would need to address it now, A, don't exist, and B, can't access the community or the community members can't access those access resources. Right. Um, so in terms of preparation, you know, I think, I think agencies like, you know, CWS, sorry, I think I said CWS, Child Welfare Services, the arm of the Department of Human Services here, um, if they're not thinking about this at some level of at least leadership, um, you know, the line caseworkers who are out there in the community doing the best they can, there's, they don't have time to think about this day to day, but their section chiefs and their directors should be thinking about this if they're not. Um, those of us in mental health who work with folks, um, agencies and, and therapists who work with uh, victims of domestic violence, I know are thinking about this. Um, the only sure way to prepare, at least right now, is is in our own minds and sort of take deep breaths and think, okay, there will be a surge of calls. Um, there will be a wave of people who finally, when, when they can go somewhere, will pick up the phone or just show up at the door and say, yeah, it's been three months of hell for me because we've been locked in the house together, but you know, there's been no way to call for help or get out or go anywhere. Um, I, we have to anticipate that happening. Um, the, the problem I see coming is that it's we're not we're not going to be getting as far as I know an increase in you know money or therapists or beds in shelters anytime soon. It's just going to happen. So buckle up. You know, this is get extremely ready. sobering for a lot of people to hear, and yet we need to hear this because this idea of surge has been so applied to just COVID-19 cases, and I don't mean to minimize that in any way, but the ramifications of what COVID-19 means in the, you know, the social aspects of all of this isn't really, I think, in the consciousness of a lot of people because they're dealing with you know, what's in front of them, what they have to deal with. And that doesn't mean that they're any less caring or that they wouldn't be concerned, but it's just not out there as much. What do you think needs to happen to get it out there so that people understand that this is the next wave. Yeah, I think it's hard. It's the, the human mind does not like to think about scary things in the future. Um, we're just we're not set up for it, and and that's adaptive, right? So we're we're adapted to fight off the saber tooth tiger that's right in front of us, to try and go kill the next meal. Um, 
we're not adapted to looking too much into the future because for so long in our in our evolutionary history, we were concerned with survival today. And our mind is still really geared around that kind of organizational and thought kind of structure. Human beings are not the best planners. We've we've created um, civil structures and aids to help us, you know, planners and software and other civil structures, you know, in ancient history, calendars. Calendars are, are a planning tool uh, for harvests and things like that. So we've really tried to aid ourselves, but especially when it comes to scary things, we like to avoid that, and that's natural. So I think the first step is to to take a breath and, and give ourselves permission to think about the scary things that are coming and not to panic about it, but just to take, as you say, kind of that, you know, realistic view and, and appreciate the reality of what's coming and just, even just to be aware, awareness is key to preparation and say, okay, well, this is going to happen. I don't know what to do about it right now, but I want to acknowledge for myself that this is going to be a thing. Um, and then the brain is a wonderful thing, even though we're not the greatest at looking into the future um, in a conscious way sometimes. Our brains like to work on things unconsciously. Exactly. If we raise our awareness, then our brain can kind of chew on it and we sleep on it. Uh, and, and often wake up with answers or ideas that we didn't have before about it. Yeah. And also, even though our systems have been demonstrated uh, across the, the globe, and in our nation and in our state to be less resilient than we would hope, than we would have hoped. Human beings, human beings are resilient uh, and families are resilient and children are incredibly resilient. Children blow my mind all the time with what they can do and what they put up with. You know, I've, I've met kids who live in a tent on the beach and they get straight A's in school, you know, and they don't know exactly where their next meal's coming from you know, or their next solid meal is, you know, breakfast or lunch at school that they get. And, but they, they come to school and they nail it every day. I'm just like, you're amazing. You know? So I think human beings are pretty good at the survival thing. They really are. So we'll get through it. Um, but, but it's not just enough, at least in my opinion, it's not just enough for people to survive. You know, I think people deserve to thrive. And that's where I think our civil structures need to shift the balance, you know, where, where there can't be this huge divide. And I'm getting a little bit into kind of social justice a little bit, um, you know, where, where folks who work need, need those, those systems and those social structures that reward hard work, you know, including healthcare and housing, you know, and some job protection or income protection um to to increase our resilience because when too many people lose all of these things it actually hurts the rest of us too so it's, we're helping ourselves by helping others well it's enlightened self-interest that you're talking about there that's really trying to focus attention on what's good for it for this one or that one turns out to be good for all of us mm -hmm. um, certainly we know from a financial perspective that you pay for it now or you pay for it later. And if you pay for it later, it's probably going to cost you more. Yeah. And I'm, that, that's been proven sort of over and over again in, in various yeah. situations in our, in our state. 
I used to work in an emergency room and, and we have a lot of folks show up, you know, with substance abuse problems or mental health problems or medical who didn't have insurance and had no, you know, coverage from a public source. And those visits were unbelievably expensive, thousands to tens of thousands of dollars um, that could have actually been covered far cheaper, you know, if we had had a public health kind of program. So I know how much an emergency room visit costs, and it's it's off the charts compared to, you know, a kind of planned, shared, you know, health program. Um, but like, I, I just, I can't hammer it enough that by saving others, we save ourselves. We really do. And especially um, when we're talking about children, as we've been focusing on children in this conversation, that if, if you would want people to walk away with at least one idea about how they should approach their own kids, other people's kids, understand in, in the fullness of our, our state what it means to be able to protect children or to understand what's coming. How would you catch that? How would you get their attention? What do you want mm -hmm. to, to have them think about? I think kids are really good now at, at accessing information. Um, the quality of the information can be variable, right? Yeah. So I think as much as possible, you know, learning about what's going on, learning about the COVID-19 crisis, going to the Department of Health websites, the CDC, Centers for D Disease Control websites, and, and researching it together if they can, if they have access, you know, to the internet, but also just being together and talking and answering and asking questions being available, you know, that one-to-one -one time, there's no replacement for one-to-one -one time between a child and a parent. Um, and even the families that have the highest level of difficulty, they still have times when they're able to be together and talk, whether it's, you know, playing a game or throwing the ball around or just watching a movie, you know. Um, I haven't yet encountered a family that, that, that isn't able to have some successful together time. Um, I also hear you say that parents really know their kids best. And so what may be good in one family may not necessarily be good for another kid in another family, but they have to figure out what does that road in look like? That's, that, yeah. I think that's the bottom line that I'm hearing you say, whether it's the, it's the movie or that gardening time or the putting away the dishes or any of those things that happen in the small moments of life. Yeah, and I think thinking outside the box. You know, I, I'm a big fan of urban gardening. Uh, I lived in a very uh, dense neighborhood in Denver where, you know, urban, urban spaces were small. Um, and people, you know, you can dig the seeds out of tomatoes and cucumbers and peonies, and you can plant them. Uh, into a little box, you know, and, and beautify a tiny, tiny, tiny space. There's a bunch of, you know, things that grow naturally here that you can dig out of the ground and cultivate yourself. And so even if you don't have a piece of dirt, you know, you got you a get, pot, get a pot. Pots or get creative with buckets, Anything. you know, yeah. things and, you know, grab, grab paint and paint the bucket. There's so many ways beautify your, your space. Um, and all the data shows that if you have plants around you, your mental health is better. Um, which, 
explains why I need to go out and, and do a little bit of watering in just a little bit and, <laughs> and take care of a few plants. But as our time is running short, just want to ask you if you have any real final words for parents and, and guardians who are dealing with the same thing that we are all dealing with, but dealing with it in their individual ways because they are there with their own children. And if there's something that we haven't talked about but you think is very important for people to walk away with. Oh, be patient. Um, you know, with That's yourself, a tough one. Starting with yourself, you know, I think yeah. parents, as parents, we're really demanding of ourselves. Um, and, and we feel this great sense of responsibility uh, and stress to, to make everything okay. Um, to repair everything and to give ourselves permission to to not be able to fix everything to not make the world perfect um you know and 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 to just accept that that's okay and also that you don't you don't have to do some kind of amazing at-home project every day or at all um to just get through this time and, you know, whether you have a job and you're, you know, an essential worker or whatever, and you're still working a lot and sometimes even more because there's fewer folks doing the same amount of work, or you've been you know, temporarily laid off or you've lost your job totally. Each of these is a different, different kind of stress and have different things. But to, to say it's okay to just get through and survive it and access those resources in our community you know that there's several organizations that are helping people on maui and maui county and our neighboring islands to share food to share resources um to provide takeaway you know meals and stuff at different churches and things and to to give ourselves permission to access those things that we need because that that's the skill of a parent is to do what it takes uh to get through things that's what parents are good at um but give ourselves a minute once in a while just to just to sit and binge some TV or whatever. It's okay. You know, we don't all have to reinvent the wheel all the time. Um, well, I want to thank you very much for spending some time with me today and bringing us a little clarity from your world in dealing with children and teens and family and from your, your own family and friends and neighbors. It's really been a delight to talk to you, as always. And I appreciate well. the time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bethany. Really you. Well, we'll have Stay to do it again. <laughs> you too. Stay you too. safe too. And your family and best to your family. Aloha. And aloha. And thank you to all of you who have tuned in. If you have a question for us that you'd like to get answered, or if you have some suggestions for what you'd like to hear us talk about, you can send that to me. My email address is K-O-Z as in zebra, L-O-V as in Victor, B as in baby, at SutterHealth.org. Kozlov B at SutterHealth.org. I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> and we'll make sure that we'll get those questions over to Mental Health America of Hawaii and get you an answer. And we will get back to you with it, we promise. And we hope that we'll see you next time for our next conversation, taking us from anxiety to clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. See you then.